0: Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on public sector innovation priorities brought to you by VMware. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we'll explore how government agencies could reduce IT friction and boost workforce productivity by adopting virtualization tools within their networks and on the devices government workers use every day for work. Our guests today are Mike Wilkerson, Senior Director for Federal End-User Computing and Mobility at VMware, and Matt Schneider. Senior Director for Public Sector Network and Security, also with VMware. Mike, first, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. And Matt, let me also thank you for joining us as well.
1: Thank you. Good to be here
0: let's start with some interesting new facts. A new FedScoop study released in July and underwritten by VMware found that half to three quarters of government IT users said they are using their personal devices, like tablets and smartphones, for work. But importantly, only about one-third of IT managers in the survey say their agencies are actually supporting personal devices at work. And so that's a significant, if not worrisome, disconnect. So, Mike, let me start with you and then we'll hear from Matt. Why do you believe we're seeing this kind of disconnect and what challenges and risks does this introduce to government IT organizations?
2: Well, the disconnect is, in my opinion, primarily because consumers of IT in government, they're used to a certain experience in their personal lives when they use their smartphone or their tablet, and they want that same level of experience to do their job in the workplace. So you find that, based on the survey, a vast majority are bringing in a personal device of some sort to do their work. What does that mean from an IT manager's perspective? Well, if you look at the study, 75% roughly of IT users said they use a personal device, but only 30% of IT managers actually manage it. From a risk perspective, I would be very concerned because I've got devices inside my infrastructure accessing things like email and maybe some other apps or web browsing that could potentially, that's an unmanaged, unsecured device, that I don't control or have any policy protection over. So that greatly exposes me to risk in terms of my infrastructure. And I think what we're doing on the device management side and on the networking side can help alleviate a lot of those concerns and bring that consumer-grade experience to the user while providing that enterprise-grade of security that the organization and IT wants to have over its platform and user community.
0: Matt, some additional thoughts?
1: Absolutely. Risk is obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind. But I think the reality is it's a good intentioned problem. The end user is trying to be more productive. And the reality is we have an opportunity here to help our government workers be more productive. They're using those devices to try to enhance the services they deliver back to the citizen out there. So there's an opportunity here for us to combine those enterprise services to provide the security and the accountability we need, but also to make our users more productive at the end of the day.
0: Well, you raise a good point and one that was echoed also in the study about the workforce productivity. We found, for example, that half of government users who do not have access to a virtual digital workspace, for example, said that if they did, they could increase productivity by four or more hours per week. And so I think what you're suggesting here is there's a real opportunity that using virtual spaces and reducing IT friction would really help them improve their productivity. I'd like to ask you if you could help us understand a little more about virtual digital workspaces and how they do save time and reduce friction.
2: Okay. Think about the capabilities of a virtual digital workspace. And so let me sort of paint the art of the possible for you. Imagine whether you're a government employee and you are issued a device and you use it to get email. You can pretty much get that email, read it, return it, act upon it, no matter where you're at, whether you're in the office, whether you're in the car, You don't have to come back and log into your your laptop or desktop or client in an office to get on your email and to handle fairly routine tasks. Take that same capability beyond just email and marry it to what you're doing as a consumer. Social media, for example. You can use a Facebook or a Twitter. All those mobile-friendly, cloud-ready, cloud-based applications, you don't have to be fixed to in a certain location at a certain place at a certain point in time to be able to carry on the interaction. You can do it from anywhere. You can do it regardless of whether you're on a phone, a tablet, a laptop, or a desktop. It's ubiquitous. What really is portable is the user experience. You're not device-dependent anymore. That's what a virtual digital workspace will bring to the IT consumer, the notion of I can do my job, access my applications, access my data in a secure fashion from anywhere, irrespective of what type of platform I'm on. I'll use an example. Say you have a person who, part of their job, they're a caseworker of some sort. And they're out in the field all day in their car going from location to location, gathering data from different field sites, whether it's a home, whether it's an office building, and you're doing building permits and inspections. Imagine if you could, while you're there, enter in all your data, submit your ticket, and go off to the next location. You eliminate, in this area, at least the 35 to 45-minute commute back to the office to get online and log into what you need to do. Or even you avoid having to go home. And maybe get on your computer and VPN into the office to do what you have to do. You can do it real time where you're at. That's where we see the advantages of really driving increased productivity, is giving that IT consumer all the power and capabilities that they have, regardless of endpoint, regardless of location, in a secure manner to do their jobs.
0: Well, and Matt, one of the other findings in the study had to do with improvement potential for network performance that can come with virtual workspaces. You have a view on the network side. Tell us a little more about how you see virtual platforms at the data center or network level actually improving the performance for end users.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It comes down to a couple factors. One is the speed of delivery of those new applications to the user. So historically when we were in physical environments, we had to go out and touch every device. In a virtualized environment inside of the data center, I'm really allowed to do two things. One, I can from a central point push out those new applications. But two, I can also do it based upon policy ahead of time. So I can determine what users need to get the applications, what access level they need to get, right out of the gate. So the speed of delivery of the new application itself to the user is greatly improved. The other aspect of it is the actual performance of the application itself that the user is accessing. So we've seen amazing capabilities in consolidating these resources and taking advantage of what historically have been very intensive applications, such as antivirus or malware that sit and run on each individual application or desktop. When those are consolidated down and able to be aggregated across the virtual infrastructure, it can actually greatly improve the performance of the application itself to the end user out there. So we're improving on speed, we're improving on delivery, and at the end of the day we're improving on security with that.
0: Speaking of security, I'd like to chat a little more about that. How does virtualization protect agency data and improve overall network security. And how does it differ, for example, from traditional security technology or policies? Mike, maybe you could take that one first.
2: Sure. We think about endpoint virtualization and virtualized digital workspaces. I go back to the virtual desktop infrastructure, VDI, where a user is presented a graphical instance of their operating system and their work platform on an endpoint, whether it's a thin client or a laptop or a tablet. But all the intelligence, all the data, everything that's sensitive is protected and housed within a data center facility that the agency maintains and manages and has security policies and controls around that. Start to factor in other devices like smartphones and tablets, that becomes a bit more complicated. However, the concept is still the same. All the sensitive data, all the information that would potentially present a security risk can still be centrally housed in the infrastructure inside the private cloud. If that endpoint gets compromised for whatever reason, be it, again, a tablet, a phone, a laptop, etc there's no loss of intelligence. All the data is secured and protected back in my data center. In addition to that, the tablets and the phones do bring in other elements, whether it's a partially managed employee-owned device or a fully government-issued device If there are certain characteristics of that device that don't match my security profile, it doesn't map to the security policies that I have on my networking security side, I can wipe that device, I can disable that device. There's lots of things that you can do to really minimize the threat level and minimize the risk and also allow your users to be able to do their jobs and to be more efficient. Really, it's about, again, protecting the profile of the device, protecting the data internally, being able to have some sort of control or access and prevent loss and data exposure on that endpoint, which is something that you know we really, from our perspective, to establish a, a secure VPN tunnel on a per-application basis back to the data center provides another layer of security that can marry up to your software-defined networking security policies that gives you an even stronger security profile and even mitigates risk even further.
0: Matt, I'm just curious, as you look at kind of the broader network environment, how else do you see virtualization protecting agency data?
1: Really, across the board, there's a variety of ways that we can come into this. And I think one of the easiest ones I like to think of is we've generally treated the outside as bad and inside as good. So in the data center that's been our firewall or our VPN appliance or or DMZ, where we've treated everything on the outside of it as bad, you come into the data center, and, and then you're now, you're now trusted inside of that. The reality is the traffic inside the data center, whether that's coming from an end-user device or that's traffic that, that exists inside the data center itself, really has to be assumed to be bad in all cases. This really prevents a, a, a challenge for the classic network administrator, the storage administrator, the, the compute administrator, in terms of how do they do that, how do they take it on in the complex environments. So the virtualization technology is very powerful in that it allows you to bring kind of that classic, you know, your guards, gates, and guns that were on the outside of a physical building, if you will, and bring it down to every every application layer. So bring that firewall technology, that DMZ technology, that antivirus and, and that malware technology to the virtual machine itself, whether that be an end-user compute machine, whether that be a traditional data center server, or whatever it may be. The other thing, because of where virtualization is in terms of the application itself, it can be contextually aware to a point that we've never been able to from a traditional hardware appliance in the past. Because we're aware of that virtual environment and how it's interacting with the physical, we can start looking at behaviors. We can start tying in and making sure the applications, as Mike talked about, on a per-VPN application, or even on a per-user basis, are doing the things that they should be doing in the constructs of the rules that are predetermined by your security team, by your policy team, and your compliance teams.
0: Sounds very capable. And I'm sure a lot of agencies would like to get started. In closing here, what tips or recommendations would you offer agencies, CIOs or network and security managers to see for themselves how virtual workspaces and also data center virtualization tools, how they might actually improve productivity and improve security at their agencies as well? Uh, Mike, maybe you could go first on that.
2: One thing is what we're talking about here is, is something that this is not – you know, pie-in-the-sky vision that we're talking about here, this is something that's actually being used today. I would encourage, you know, anyone who's interested in, in pursuing this type of, of platform to, one, you can talk with us, we can show you and put you in touch with other gov- with government customers who are deploying this type of capability today. Uh, we use it ourselves internally, so we're, we can have that conversation and really paint the art of the possible right now with customers. As the next step beyond that, as with most technologies, you know, start small. Do a small pilot. Engage with industry. Get some information. Put it through your IA accreditations and your security certifications. Put it through its paces. Start with something that may be, you know, less sensitive or less mission critical. I guess my best advice is get as much information as you can. Start small and go from there.
0: And, Matt, from a larger network perspective, any additional thoughts?
1: I would just add, look across your silos. Look across your projects. So, we've historically approached our environments as this year I'm doing a network project, next year I'm doing my firewall project, I'm now on to my end-user compute project. The reality is these technologies are crossing our silos. And if we look at what they can accomplish for us as an agency, if we look at the capabilities to help in compute, in virtualization, in security, inside of even our storage environments and how we deliver these, that's where you're really going to get the biggest opportunity for your agency, both to help with that security, help with that productivity, but also maximize your budget so that you can go out and take on some of these true, truly transformational projects and, and initiatives that Mike alluded to. Other agencies are doing today, and, and, and they're, they're doing it small, and they're doing it large, and, and they're having great success with it.
0: Well, my closing observation is this is not just a alternative technology so much as a real opportunity to improve workforce productivity. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Mike Wilkerson and Matt Schneider, thanks for joining us to talk about virtualization tools and how they can reduce IT friction for government workers. And I want to thank VMware for making today's episode possible. Again, look for more of our coverage of public sector innovation priorities on fedscoop.com. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.